Um, is sedition to start any good preacher with this joke? I didn't have one. Um, but I thought of one. <laughs> um, it, it's a Zimbabwean joke. It's actually been on Facebook recently, so you may have uh, actually seen it. But uh, if you know in Zim, in Zim there's kind of, uh, the roads are in a dreadful state and there's potholes everywhere. And uh, the joke is, how can you tell if someone's a drunk driver in Zimbabwe? And the answer is, they drive in a straight line. <laughs> it's actually true as well. We saw one or two. <laughs> and uh, Lawrence would say, that one's drunk. <laughs> Bit scary. Um, I want to talk this morning, really, it's actually based on a word that uh, Jamie brought for me. It's a kid's work thing. Um, we were doing a, uh, we'd had a good kid's day. To children's Leaders Day, and we sat down and we, you know, and sort of heard God for one another. And uh, Jamie had this picture for me. Can you put the next one up? Oh, I can do it, can't I? Um, and he said, uh, God, I've got a picture of a road. In fact, I've got a picture of two roads. And there's one road, and it's an easy road. And it's a good road, and um, it's fine. It's going well. It's a good place to be. But Next to it, there's a parallel road. And this parallel road is a difficult road. It's more challenging. And he's saying kind of, it's almost like he was saying God was giving you this choice to move from the easy road to the more challenging road. And when I look at what's happened to me since then, at the time I was doing doulas and I was doing children's work, and it was all going, it was going well. Foundation course, you asked John. John says, yeah, it's going well. But there was something more that God was saying I had for you. You could choose to get off this little easy thing, which at the start became challenging, but now was less challenging, and move into something else which was going to be more challenging. And um, I've, this kind of year's opened up. I've been to Zimbabwe twice this year. We're off again abroad um, to visit Cloudy and Augusta next week. And just the opportunities that God has suddenly put in our way, um, which have resulted from challenges that, that obviously have been presented to us, um, that have taken us out of the little comfort and safe place into a place that was less safe and more challenging, but actually been significantly more rewarding. And I think it's had an impact on, on who we are as people. And I, I thought about the picture, and I thought, well, okay, that's fine, it's great, but is there any scriptural basis for this? You know, does, does God actually do that? Does God say, you're on this road, but actually, you can move on to this road? So I started to think, and think, well, are there any people or stories of people in the Bible where they've had those experiences, where they had a choice to make? Unfortunately, the ones I could think of mostly were where they made the wrong choice. And, and actually, it was an easy road, and they kind of stayed on the easy road. On the other hand, it's really helpful to learn from other people's mistakes. So I thought that it would be good to look at some of these guys and see, well, what are the things, what are the challenges that might cause us to choose to not stay on that easy road? to choose to stay on the easy road and not move to the hard road. Now, you may just find a slight link with the spirit of adventure here. Um, in that, you know, the adventurous road is obviously this one. So what are the things that might hold us back or cause us to hesitate for moving forward into the things that God has, has given us? Things are good, 
things are going well, potential of achieving is great, but there's something more that God has for us. And, and what do we need to do to adjust in that? Um, the first guy that I wanted to look at was um, Barak. Barak, he was um, the commander of the army of Israel in Judges under Deborah. And this will tell the story far better. It's actually Judges 4, and this is the story in three minutes. Though the children of Israel had conquered much of the land, the Canaanites oppressed them, and the general Sisera continued to march forward. No one person had taken it upon themselves to defeat Sisera. For who could? Not just any random citizen. Who are you calling random? But could a general? Or a prophet? Barak. What is it this time? You must take 10,000 men to the Kishon River, where you will find Sisera and his army. God will deliver him into your hands. Sisera? Have you seen his army? Iron chariots. What do we have compared to that? God. Okay. We'll go. But only if you come with us. I'll come along, but know this. The victory will not belong to you. People will say that a woman defeated Sisera. Rise! This is the day that God gives Sisera into your hands. Every last one of the Canaanites was destroyed, except one. I gotta get out of here. Exhausted, Sisera arrived at a random citizen's tent, looking for help. I'm not random. I have a stake in this matter. Heba! I need help. My husband's not home. What's wrong? The battle. The Israelites are decimating us. Tell your husband we need his help. It's time for you to choose sides. Oh, we've chosen sides. We're just letting him get away? He won't get away. I thought you I said a woman would finish him. I didn't say it would be me. Thanks for letting me hide here. Shh. Just get some sleep. I just thank you for the milk. <laughs> if anyone comes to your tent and asks if there's a man here, you must say there is no one. And so, because of one random citizen... With the incredible act by the amazing Yael, the land was at peace for 40 years until the Israelites started sinning again. Okay. So it's in the Bible. It's okay. <laughs> Should I have warned you? Um, the thing about... I actually don't think the image of Barak there probably quite fits totally because it makes me look a bit of a dork and I think a man that commands 10,000... Um, people and was prepared to go to war against a king that's got 900 chariots isn't a dork. Um, but there was something there that he actually missed, which meant the whole glory of all that God had, the best that God had for him, he didn't actually access. I mean, the, the glory went to a woman. How bad is that? I mean, I'm but um, the, uh, but the, the point is, is that what's happened is that he didn't, what happened was he didn't actually access the faith that God had for him, for himself. So, although it was, she had, Deborah had faith, 
She brought the word. She brought the command. But what he did, he went on the basis of what he'd heard from somebody else. What he didn't do was press in and access what has God got for me in this. And, and what we have to do is that when God brings us a word in a direction, it might come through John, it's something that's coming through the church, there's a grace there for us to get hold of. But I have to press in and say, God, I need faith for this myself. I need to know what you're saying. What are you giving me for this purpose? Let me give, explain what I mean. Um, if I've got kids' work to do, and I was kind of... I'd, Debbie's not here, so she doesn't need to hear this bit. But um, I'm kind of thinking, well, I've got lots of other things I'm doing now. Have I got time to consume with children's work? And um, when I first started children, I don't just do it because it's something that I've been given to do. It's something I did because God's put something in my heart to do. And we went and David called her, come over for coffee, she said yesterday. And I've not seen her new kitchen. So we went over and went coffee with Debbie yesterday. And we got chatting. And she said, actually, I was wondering if you could do this. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking of not doing this, now she wants me to do this. But what I finally found myself doing was thinking, hey, actually, yeah, maybe I could do that and what she's asking me to do as well. Maybe I could do both things. Because there was something of the faith that was in her that was communicated to me that I was able to catch hold of and think, actually, actually this is mine as well. I can make this my own. And, and there's something that God gives us to do that as the word comes, there's a part for us in positioning ourselves to access what God's given us. And sometimes we have to pursue it. You know, that's why we do ministry training. That's why we do doulos. Um, you know, these are places where we can go, where we can start to pursue and access the things that God is saying and God's giving us to do. Because as they come, as the word comes, there's the grace, but I need to pursue it and make it my own. You know, I don't just do it because someone else is doing it. I didn't just go to, you know, when we went to Africa, um, we went to Zim last time, and, and there, was, there was a question about whether there were riots there, and um, before we went, and I spoke to John about it, and John says, no, it'll be fine. Now, I could just go and say, John says it'll be fine, so I've got nothing to worry about, but actually that wasn't quite how I was feeling. You know, it actually brought me to a place where I had to say, well, no, God, what are you saying to me? And, and we, Sue and I looked at it together and we came to that place where we felt, yeah, God is saying, you know, for myself, I knew it was my conviction. I had to go. There, there was no choice. You know, I had to be there. If there was a riot while I was there, there was a riot while I was there. You know, I had to go because that's what was God, God, God put in my heart to do. But it didn't start with me. It started with, with being sent. But as I got sent, then I had to press into God and access it for myself. And that is what he didn't do. And because he didn't do, he didn't actually achieve everything that God had for him to actually do. Second person is Moses. This I'm going to have to read. It's a bit small up there. Um, Moses, when he was in the desert, and there was a burning bush, and he got called, and God gave him a call to move out into Israel. And he gave him a call to, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt to in captivity and take them into the promised land. Now, Moses was an amazing guy. He was so amazing that in the Transfiguration, Jesus and Elijah were... Um, Moses, Jesus, the Transfiguration with Jesus, Moses and Elijah were both there alongside um, Jesus to comfort him. You know, it wasn't that Moses was a failure, but he never made it to the Promised Land. And I think that there's something in the first story here where he actually 
there was something that just didn't quite grab hold of. And what happened was that God said to him, Moses, you know, I want you to go and speak to Pharaoh. I want you to lead out and set my people free. And Moses didn't go. He says, I can't go. And he kept all the excuses under the, what he had under the sun. Um, I mean, one of them was, and God even gave him signs, signs and you know, he had this stick, throw your stick down, it becomes a snake, pick it up again, it comes back to a, st- a stick, it will be a sign to you. What was interesting on that one was um, I thought, well, if, if that's fine, throw it down, it becomes a snake. He created quite a lot of faith to pick the snake back up again, really. So it wasn't that he was wimpish in that sense, but he said, I can't go and speak, I have a stammer, I can't do it. And God in the end said, well, I'll send your brother instead and he can come with you and he'll be my mouthpiece. Now, I think that was something that Moses carried with him. And the reason why he didn't go to promised land wasn't because of that incident, but something else that happened later. Um, and he was on the good road, but there was somewhere there was, and he made lots of good things, but there was a harder road. There was something else. That if he'd actually made that decision that, God, I'm going to go because you said go in obedience to you, and not because of the fact that, um, you know, what why about my stammer, then um, that's fine. Now, the weaknesses in me can often become my excuses or my perceived weaknesses for not doing the thing that God gives me to do. And they can be my own weaknesses, they can be my own perception, I can't do that because. Um, well, it can be some things, sometimes things that other people suggest is a weakness. I had a hip replacement last year and I used to go to the physio and the physio says, right, well, you've got to be really careful so she won't be able to, mustn't bend your leg beyond a certain level. So I said to her, that means I'll never be able to do it with my shoelaces. And she says, no, that's, that's probably true. You might find a way. And there was this whole series, you know, you mustn't sit down on the floor this way. This is how you get on and how you get up. And uh, I just, just didn't, didn't register with me that I should be living with that kind of limitation. Um, so I didn't take any notice. And um, I actually go to the gym twice a week now, and I'm going to the gym twice, doing more exercises now at the gym than I was doing before I had the operation. And, and because there was, they were putting this restriction on me. I don't think about how I get up and get up on the floor. I was thinking when I'm doing kids' work, I won't be able to get on the floor with the kids. How will I get up? I don't think about it. I just get on with it. In fact, I forget that I've got that opera, that got, actually got the issue there at all. And that it, it was a limitation that was being put onto me. Sometimes... External things, people can, can say things which would cause you to feel limited, but actually we can step out into what, what doesn't matter what the perception is, we do the thing that God's giving us to do. Sometimes it can be our own perceptions. When we were in Zim last time, when we went on the team, um, Lance's expectations are absolutely enormous. You know, you just, just ooze the expectation of what we were going to bring. And I got there on Monday and I thought, I can't do this. I can't, I, can't, I can't match the expectation that he has here. You know, he thinks I'm like John, and I can't be like John. I need to be like John. I'm not John. And it was the one wobble I had the whole time, was, was the sense that, you know, I can't actually speak this. I can't be this person. I can't be to Lawrence the person he needs me to be. I can't do this. But God had said, do it. And I remember delivering that first session and, and feeling it was probably the worst session I did. And um, he came up to me afterwards and he says, you know, that was fantastic. <laughs> you know, it really hit oh, that impact of this and the impact of that. And, and my perception 
was totally different to what God was saying. And sometimes we will hold back from doing the things that God gives us to do because we look at our own limitations. And, and, and we see our limitations. Our limitations do not stop us doing the things that God's given us to do. If I actually, when we move out into adventure, I think that God uses those circumstances to actually deal with our limitations. I'm going to give another plug for Doulos because that's what Doulos is. All right? Doulos is a, is a place where people choose to, they feel inadequate, you might not feel I'm up to it. And I think there's people here that are feeling that at the moment. I can't do Doulos because I'm not adequate. Um, but actually, it's the process of actually stepping out in a response to what God is saying is the place where we see release and freedom when we get set free from the things that are holding us back and, and that we see as our weaknesses. Because God is, is stronger than our weaknesses. God is stronger than our limitations. And if he says go, we go. We do it. Uh, and he will actually deal with the consequences. Um, the third person I want to look at is Abraham and Lot. So this is the third scenario. Um, and is it better to play it straight off the USB? This is another story which I've put up for you in. So here's the... So here's the story from the Bible that you are going to hear about today. It's about a man named Abram and a man named Lot. Now, Abram was rich. Like, really, really, really rich. Now, rich in Abram's time, though, didn't mean he had a huge bank account filled with money. It meant he had servants, sheep, camels, cows, and even goats. Told you, rich. Now, years before, Abram's nephew, named Lot, had come to live with Abram. Lot became quite rich as well with, well, servants, sheep, camels, cows, and yes, goats. So let's do a quick review, shall we? We've got two men, Abram and Lot, and both were very rich. Now, each spring, many more animals were born and added to the herd, which means more and more and more and more and more sheep and other animals were added to the herd. Now, both Abram and Lot's herds grazed on the hillside together. The problem is, is they kept growing and growing and growing and growing, leaving very little room left for all of the animals to use the land together. Abram's servants and Lot's servants began arguing over the land where the animals grazed. Abram's servants wanted the best land, but so did Lot's servants. Now, Abram heard all this arguing going on between the servants and he knew that these arguments had to stop. So Abram thought and thought and thought and thought and he came up with a good idea. It was time for Abram and Lot to go their separate ways. The question then began, where would Abram and Lot go? You see, they had two choices. They could go east or they could go west. But the thing is, is the east had the better land. It was absolutely beautiful, and it had the Jordan River right there. The east was the land that wanted to be picked. Now, Abram could have said, I want to pick my land first. But he didn't say that. Instead, he said, Lot, you go ahead and pick your land first. Well, Lot decided to be very selfish and said, I want the east. So, that's what happened. Abram and Lot headed in their separate directions. 
Now once this happened, God talked to Abram and told him to look north, south, east, and west. God promised Abram that all the land that he could see would belong to his children and grandchildren. Now, you may ask, what does this have to do with love? Okay, that's not the point I'm trying to make. Uh, (laughs) But the point I am trying to make is that's a bit more complex, that story, because it looks like the person that made the choice was Abram, not Lot. But actually, I don't think that's the case. I think at the very start, Abraham was told by God, you need to take all your family, take all your belongings, and you just go. He didn't tell you he was going. Lot went with him. Lot did well. Lot set off on a good road. He was going the way God wanted him, to, where God was taking Abraham. He stood alongside him. It was good. But it got to a point here, what's actually happened here is that Lot was left with a choice. And the choice he had to make was, was he going to deal with the conflict that was happening with his um, shepherds, with Abraham's shepherds, or was he going to leave? And it actually got to the point where Abraham, Abraham had to say to Lot, you need to go. But actually, if Lot had actually dealt with it in the first place, if he'd actually dealt with the problem and resolved the problem, then he could have stayed with Abraham, because Abraham was at a transitional point there. He was at a point where he was moving on to a hard drive, but where God was saying, it's all going to belong to you. You can have it all. But because Lot didn't deal with the problem because he didn't deal with the, the issue that was there, then he wasn't Abraham in the end. Abraham started to go. So he, had to, he wasn't able to take or pick up onto the adventure that God had for him. He missed out because he wouldn't deal with the hard things. And I think the other thing that can hinder, one of the other things that can hinder us is that we don't, is dealing with the hard things. That can prevent us from actually moving on with what God has to do. When I was um, teaching, I had one... Um, person who was a member, I was head of science so I had different departments that were heads of department and I had one head of department who was um, a little bit incompetent and um, but worse, worse than that he was really awkward, really difficult and things, I went to school and things changed and God blessed and there was quite a good, some good things that were happening but this bloke wasn't changing nothing was changing and what had happened was that people just, if something's difficult, people just get on, move, just adjust their careers and their lives around the bloke, person and just leave the thing as it is and just get on. But I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I couldn't let it rest. I'm in charge of this department and I couldn't let it rest that I had someone in my department that was causing and dragging this down. It had to be dealt with. And um, so I had to confront it. And I confronted him, and he was awkward, and he was difficult. He was a union man. I went to the head. The head decided there was a personality clash between me and him. So that didn't actually help, because then I was the problem. He wasn't the problem. And um, eventually, we got to the point where the light clicked on with the head, and the guy got demoted. We had to go to disciplinary meetings, and I had to sit through holds of meetings. It was hard, this was. You know, I could have at any point just said, well, stuff it. You know, I'll go to work, do my job, come home. Um, but I couldn't. I couldn't. It wasn't, it wasn't in my heart. It wasn't the way that it could be. I couldn't, in integrity, or in terms of what I was trying to see expressed to the children there, allow this situation to continue. So it had to be dealt with. And... Um, the guy got, in the end got demoted, which wasn't 
make life any easier because he stood over the, other, the final 12 years I was there and hated me for 12 years. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't kind of the best scenario, but, but you learn to, learn to work with it and make it all work. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that, is, that, is that there were difficult situations. There may be relationship issues that we have to resolve. And it's quite easy just we can just cocoon, we can build walls around them and just ignore them. But they're the things that prevent us from actually moving into the things that God has for us to deal with. It can be family, it can be work, it can be um, in church, um, it can be, you know, it can be marriage, it can be anything really that we, we choose that we, we choose to ignore. And it can be a thing that doesn't move on. I think the other hard thing sometimes are the mundane. You know, it's the time when you've got to sit down for two hours and prepare something. John asked us to go and do African doulas. I've got to have meetings with Neil, meetings with Martin. You know, that's hard. And then um, <laughs> we, we have to... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and then we, ha- we have to... Um, and then you go away and you're sitting down in front of your computer and you're preparing stuff and then you bring it back and you check it and Martin says, I don't like that. You need to go back and change it. And, and you know, it, it's, it's not... It's not, it's that, that's hard. And, and, and sometimes just that mundane of the things that God has given us to do, of pressing in, is difficult. Um, we, you know, years and years ago, when I was living in Tottenham, and we were doing kids' work and youth work, and I used to go around half past six, I used to drive around and pick up all these youth. Then I used to drive from Tottenham all the way over to Charlotte Road in Dagenham. Then we used to run the youth event, then I'd put them in my car, and then take them all the way in the back again, and drop them all off again. And that was after having done a day, a week's work in school, when I was just getting my career teaching. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but it was something that God had put in my heart to do. And, and sometimes I think the other thing we need to look at is, is, is sometimes it's just, we just think it's just too much hard work. I can't be bothered with this. But actually, we need to be bothered. We need to press in. Because it's that pressing in, or lacking of pressing in, that prevents us from actually moving into the things that God has for us. Um, I'll leave that a bit. So, it's quite interesting just to see what Paul has to say about hard. I found this, this quite interesting. I happen to be reading this. Um, no, that was, I'll come back to that bit in a minute. I, was gonna, I can skip this bit. I'm going to say, why are we in this church? You know, we're in this church because God has called us to be part of this church. I'm here because God's called me to be here. That's why I'm here. You know, he, in, in Acts it says that God has added those who be saved. I've been added. I can choose to um, embrace that as much as I want or not embrace it. But God has added me to be part of this church. And... If I've been added, then I kind of feel that I'm under obligation to pursue diligently all that God's calling us to do. And it was quite interesting what um, Paul says about heart. Uh, I'll just read this out. We don't want you in the dark, friends. This is Paul writing to, the, writing to the Corinthians about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could ever have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea, since he's the God who raises the dead. And he did it. He rescued us from certain doom. And he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. And, and I think there's a place of coming to that, that, that you know, Things may go wrong, but God will rescue me, and he will keep doing it. Um, because 
And, and actually what it brings me to is a new place of trust and confidence in him. That was kind of an aside. But. So how do we get to this road of adventure? How do we choose to stay on it? The first thing is we need to own what God is saying to us for ourselves. I need to claim it. I need to make it mine. And I need to say, you know, God, what are you saying for me? And, we need to, and I need to do whatever I need to, to pursue that. So if somebody brings a word on a Sunday and you think, I need to catch more of that, go and talk to them about it. Pursue the person. You know, um, bring it up with your group leader. Bring it up with your, your youth leader. Say, look, God's challenged me on this. I don't quite understand this. I'm not quite what God's saying. Pursue it through. Obviously, talk to God yourself about it. Um, but this sense of not just, just letting the thing fly by, but actually saying, this is for me. I need to grab hold of this and bring it down. I need to make it mine. You know, and, and when you get the training opportunities, these are things that we can actually pursue and do because, again, it's part of getting in deeper into what God is saying to us. Um, obey God and deny our own sense of inadequacy, even if we think it's real. We might be inadequate. You know, Moses said, I have a stammer. Now, a stammer is a stammer. You know, you've got to go and talk to the king of Egypt and I've got a stammer. He was real. And we, sometimes we are, there, there are things that we will perceive and, and actually are real weaknesses and personal limitations. But it doesn't matter. If God has said go, you go. If God says do it, you do it. Right? I had John, before I flew out to, um, to Zim, I had John to pray for me because I had a problem with my ear. Now, the last thing you want is a problem with your ear on two long-haul flights. You, know, you don't want it. Um, but it wasn't a decision not to go. You know, because I knew in my heart I had to go. I was fine. Um, it's that whatever it is, whatever it is, you, you just pursue. And the last thing in which we need to deal with the hard things. We need to deal with those things which would, would, would obstruct us from um, doing the things that God, we know in our heart God is calling us to do. I can't pursue this adventure because I have this difficulty or I have, or I have that difficulty. Well, what God we need to do was to go to God and look for the grace to actually deal with that. Because if God's word is to go on adventure, then we go on adventure. And, and we look to him to deal with the hard things. And I'm going to stop there. Thank you.